0: Monday, and you know what that means. Yes, Bob, it's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yeah. Thank you, fake audience. Thank you, fake band. Let's get a look at that real audience. Hello, everybody. There you guys are in the chat room. My coloration. Oh, I better call the tech center. I look a little red today, like I've been... Uh, Taking a lot of niacin or something. (laughs) Look like I'm having a niacin flush. Um, Welcome to the big show. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. Let me check my audio levels. There they are, looking good. Uh, So today's show, we're doing something. I think I did this like three years ago, maybe. Um, Let's see. Somebody's saying something about the audio, but I don't know what that is. Oh, I see what it is. you guys are the real audience (laughs) hello mojo hello peter robbie hancock vincent brennan uh m3 lucian howling wolf dave skinner charles hello to all you guys so yeah i'm always giving you stuff that i've researched and uh songwriting tips production tips, um, tips on doing cues, largely stolen from Dean Crepane Thank you, Dean, who I saw in there somewhere in the chat room. Um, and then last week I did a piece, I think I sent out a, a newsletter article or something uh, about the community and just how much the community means to me and how much the community, uh, you guys mean to each other. And I thought, you know, why don't I just have people from the community contribute uh, some songwriter tips and let's see how that goes because this uh, you guys may have things that are idiosyncratic to the way you write maybe it, it didn't come out of a book maybe it only works for you or maybe it'll work for everybody else in the chat room or in the audience we don't know until we say it and because we're having um gosh who am i having next week can't think of his name uh john asher on the show by the way you guys have i think i've had john asher on the show about three or four times over the years. Remember him, the guy with the big poofy blonde hair? Um, John, his songwriting career has really taken off. He signed to Rock Nation. Uh, He's got a Britney Spears cut, all all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, Not just a little bit of stuff, but like it's growing. He's gaining some momentum, and it's really working. And so he's going to be on the show next week. So I thought it would be really cool that whoever submitted the most tips for this week's show uh gets their song reviewed by John Asher next week what I should have said I mean that is going to happen don't get me wrong but John is primarily a pop songwriter so I'm looking at my thing uh my notes for the show and Vincent I don't know how you pronounce your last name Vincent Miele m-i-e-l-e Neil Mie Vincent are you there hello Vincent Um, If you're in the chat room, let me know. Uh, But Vincent definitely (laughs) took the prize for the most tips. And uh, so I'm just dying to know, Vincent, are are you primarily a pop writer? I mean, he can do just about any kind of music, but pop and EDM are probably his forte. Fortes. How do you say the plural of forte? Uh, It's like trying to say the plural of Prius. Are they Prii? Don't know anyway uh, ah, Moja said he saw that Matt hurt had two credits in Connie and Carla the latest uh, Nia Vardalos pick I don't know if it's the latest one uh, but it is one of Um, Doug B says he submitted 101 songwriting tips I didn't see 101 (laughs) do you put 101 tips on our uh, Facebook page (laughs) <laughs> okay Mojo says forte is the plural is pronounced the same as the singular um, okay so anyway let's just get right to it because I've got quite a lot of them and uh, I am just dying to share these with you guys and uh, once I've gone through these if we still have time left on the show you can kick some uh, stuff into the chat room as well Um Peter Rahill says, actually, to be correct, Forte is pronounced Fort, but who's counting? I don't know. Uh, and there's Mary Band with the weekly video audio problems. All right, so here we go. Uh, Vincent's first suggestion, or first tip, is don't jump off the bridge. Uh, I think sometimes some songwriters, other than the best, overlook the importance of the bridge. It's the transition from start to finish and can easily escalate the time, or really escalate the time. Um, Is having a bridge necessary? No, but in many cases it will fit in well. A weak bridge won't kill a song if you have a good hook, but a strong bridge can make all the difference in the world. Case in point, uh, and this is from Vincent, uh, I wrote uh, a song I thought was very good. The bridge was actually a keyboard solo. It's, uh, it's as melodic and all, but there seemed to be something missing. I still didn't really give it much thought before sharing it with a friend. Uh, that friend, who'd written a few songs himself, added four lines of lyrics and ditched the solo. The end result? It created a dramatic transition into the final chorus with a powerful vocal track and completed the song. Of course, I had to swallow some pride and give up some of the writing credit, but that's another subject. So yes, I completely agree. Um, I know in the context of film and TV cues, bridges not as valuable, uh, and I would even venture to say that in the context of modern day radio pop, I personally—I could be wrong about this—but I think that there are fewer bridges showing up in songs, and. Um, different song construction uh people are taking more chances they're using actual song forms they're not just like writing whatever comes to them and and kicking out these crazy forms but the forms are i don't hear as much of the traditional like verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus and out stuff but i would say that predominantly that is still what you hear uh if you were at the road rally this past year or for that matter any year ralph murphy uh Uh, gives a great presentation uh, where he actually does a statistical analysis of the previous year's pop hits and country hits and talks about how long the intros are, how long until um, the first pronoun is mentioned in the song, whether the song had a bridge, how long it takes to get to the first chorus, things like that. Um, I'll have to go back and see how bridges did in 2015 because Ralph did give us a report at the 2016 road rally. So uh, there you go. The Bridge. Um, another one from Vincent. I'm a believer that the greatest songs that were ever written always existed, but in some other dimension. Uh, some people have the ability to tap into this dimension and pull them out. Songwriters. I listened to Penny Lane by Paul McCartney as that, uh, that whole melody and chord structure was plucked out of the dimension. So how we get into this dimension is the trick. And basically it's basically on a subconscious level. Some have tapped in while under the influence of drugs. And Vincent says he's not condoning drugs. Thank God for that, Vincent. Uh, Some have tapped in through meditation or solitude. Some just have a raw talent that they can tap into when needed. But many of us do not. Find out what works for you and repeat it. He goes on to say that some of the best hooks that he's come up with were while he was sleeping, just lying half asleep in bed. That's actually a hypnotic state right there when you're kind of floating between sleeping and being awake, that is technically a hypnotic state. Uh, I'd wake up and hear a melody and chords in my head, but would quickly forget as I got on with my day. Uh, The key is to have a voice recorder nearby and before you forget, sing it into the recorder. True words never spoken. Uh, it's easy now because you can do that with your smartphone, that's true. Uh, that inspiration can come at any time in a car in a bus, whatever. But when it happens, you know that you've walked into that dimension. Developmental psychologist Joseph Clinton or Joseph Chilton Pierce said that although creative breakthroughs can be spontaneous, it helps if we open the door and assist the process. The door to creativity is often open during meditation, uh, reverie, or dreams in which time is perceived as an an eternal present, present, okay, present as I'm present, in which the divisions of past, present, and the future meld into an all-encompassing now. That's some deep stuff right there. Uh, In this state, it's not just the separations in time that disappear, but also separations between people and things. So don't let a good melody go go to waste. It's there, now go and get it. Um, that That's a lot of deep stuff. And you know what? I'm not a woo-woo kind of person, generally speaking, but I do tend to agree with this. Um, how many times have you had a thought and you walked like out of the kitchen into the bedroom to tell your spouse something and you go, crap Uh, i can't remember what it was that i was going to say or why did i walk into this room what was you know you leave a pair of glasses your car keys by the time you get to the room you don't remember i recently read an article that said that when you have a thought in a room that the room actually acts as a container and once that you and your brain leave that container and go to the other space that's why you forget so that probably ties into this I do my best thinking in the shower. I have a million ideas for stuff. Usually around road rally time, I start having ideas for panels. Of course, it's after I've got the schedule done. That's when I start having a bunch of great ideas for other panels. You'd be shocked how many times those are in the shower and I've tried to write them in the steam. I guess I should get a waterproof uh, voice recorder. And I used to have a little voice recorder, a little digital voice recorder that I kept in the center console of my car. Unfortunately, some... uh, uh what do you call him Uh, a car parking guy a valet guy i think must have hijacked it uh because one day i reached in there on the 101 to get it out and it was gone but you know what try and nail those ideas um Peter Regal, I don't know why this joke popped up, but uh, it says a referee separating two playmates fighting equals splitting hairs, H-A-R-E-S. Bunnies, hairs, get it, okay. Like Playboy Playmates, I get it. All right, uh, okay, going on to Vincent's next suggestion. Study music, oh, I want to add one other thing to his previous thing about greatest songs already existed. Uh, But in some other dimension, you know what the greatest way I believe to get them out of that dimension and into your head and onto a piece of paper or into your smartphone or whatever form of media you're going to use to record the idea before you forget it is craft. The more craft you have the better off you're going to be. People love to believe that um, God in the universe, just pour these lovely thoughts into my head. I think I've only met two people in my entire 40 year career that I would say, I actually believe that that happens for them. Um, One of them being Lamont Dozier. Um, But you know what, the more songwriting craft you have, the more likely that those happy accidents are going to happen i really can't think of anybody that i've met in my career maybe that was just born talented i mean talented yes but born uh born as a fully cooked fully completed songwriter that could write hits right out of their mommy's belly or by the time they're old enough to you know speak and write uh, basic life skills uh i've just not met those people the people that are the hit songwriters that i know Um, It's not an accident. It's opportunity meeting preparation. There are people who concentrate on their craft. There are people that read songwriting books. There are people that watch taxi TV. There are people that go to the road rally. There are people that belong to songwriting organizations in their town. They hang out with other songwriters. They go on the internet and watch videos, how to write songs. They do all this stuff to develop their craft. And that gives them sort of a foundational skill set that when they have an idea they can turn it into something valuable so don't uh, don't cheat yourself out of grabbing those ideas out of another dimension if you will um, by not having the craft you know other it look hope is not a strategy uh, you can hope all you want but you could wait 10 20 30 40 years for a hit to fall in your lap or you could spend every day of your life working some certain amount of time on your songwriting craft, and that is going to speed up the timeline and dramatically increase your chances of writing a hit. So there you go, is my two cents on that. All right, Vincent's next suggestion, study musical modes. Modes are alternative tonalities or scales that can be derived from the familiar major scale by starting on a different scale tone. Okay. Okay. That's over my pay grade. Um, I mean, I, I kind of get it, but um, I'm not a, a trained musician, and I don't do scales. So let's see what else he says about that. Knowledge and mastery of these modes. See, there you go, knowledge and mastery. In other words, craft, um, at least in regard to this, can be just the trick to come up with some great melodies or even solos. Listen to Scarborough Fair by Simon and Garfunkel, and listen for the Dorian mode, which is a wonderful mode to write in. Um Okay, uh, who do we have on the show? Is it Rob Shirelli? I think we talked about this. I think Dean mentions it, Dean Cropain. I'm looking. I've got Dean's book here with me now, Demystifying the Q. The other one's still out on loan, Demystifying the Genre. But um, I think Dean mentioned it. uh, Rob Shirelli mentioned it. uh, I had somebody on the stage at the Road Rally that mentioned it people want to know how to oh robin frederick was talking about it how do i sound contemporary well if you're using the same chord voicing that they were using in the mid 70s which was maybe when you fell in love with music and it was kind of this soft rock you know jim croce folky cat stevens james taylor um eagles poco that kind of stuff and if you're using the same chord voicings and the same rhythmic patterns and the same phrasing and the vocal delivery that those artists were using and the songwriters were writing in back then your music is going to sound dated not contemporary but if you change up the phrasing change up the rhythm and change up the voicing of the chords you can sound contemporary and that is one of of the most key elements, I believe, uh, as it relates to melody and contemporary melodies is you've got to have contemporary sounding chords. I think I've, uh, known people to say that they'll drop the fourth, um, from a chord, um, just because it sounds better. Uh, And so there you go. Try that. See if it works out, um, break away from the mold. While we're all aware of the formula, the formula, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and out, that's probably the most recognizable formula, and there are tons of songs written that way. But think differently, and you can come up with something that stands out as unique, and you might have a hit. Um, I'm a whore. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but if I were a songwriter, I would want to write songs that make money. I'm sorry, but, you know, look, and I'm not saying anything uh, negative about people that write for the love of the craft. They just love to write because they love to emote. It makes them feel good. Yay. Me, personally, if I were going to write a song, I would want to write a hit because I would want to take that skill that I've developed, that craft that I've learned, and I would want to earn money by using that and have something that's going to play on the radio or be on the Internet, whatever, or he played at a concert in front, 20,000 people. I would love to ha- be able to say, I did that. I wrote that. That's my craft. That's my art. That's my contribution from a musical standpoint. The fastest way and most effective way to get there, I personally believe, based on everything that I've learned over a long time in the industry, is that most songs, most hits, and Ralph Murphy will confirm this, are in fact written with the classic um, A-B structure. Um, ABC if you want to include a bridge which you probably should not to say that you shouldn't try variations Um, I'm not saying that you should never ever try other stuff I'm just saying that the statistical probability of having a hit is with you when you are writing in a verse, chorus verse, chorus, bridge, chorus and out form that said um, I'd say there are probably two or three other forms that show up 20 percent of the time i'm guessing 75 80 percent of the songs that are on the charts are in the traditional pop song form and somewhere in the 20 or 25 percent um, are in other forms like i mentioned earlier i am starting to see other forms show up i'm gonna take my watch off i keep hitting the desk with it um so there is my thinking on that um Vincent goes on to say his next bullet point is, it's all about the bass. Well, not all, but move off bass off the root. I don't really understand that sentence. Move off bass off the root. It's amazing what a difference in the feel of a musical passage has when the bass player plays a third or a fifth off the root. Experiment with that, and it can help take the song in an entirely different direction. Ooh, boy, I'm going to mention something awesome about that. Um you guys know, many of you know, some of you know that I'm friends with Hookman, Marlon Bonds. Um he, we've had him at the Road Rally, uh he and I were together in Hawaii last year at the Hawaii Songwriters Festival and uh he did a thing where he he came on stage took his phone plugged it in and said here's a demo of a song and i think he was writing it for Christine aguilera and uh it just wasn't working i mean everything about the song it had numerous writers on it and they kept working it and reworking it and working on the beats and working on the melody working on the lyric and it was good but it didn't reach that a plus plus mode just yet And then finally they decided, I think when the original artist passed on it, um, they decided to pitch it to somebody else and they realized that the other person they were going to pitch to uh, would need the song in another key, in a lower key, because their voice wasn't as rangy on top. So they brought it down, I don't know, a semitone, whatever. They brought it down a little bit. um, and, And in doing so, they discovered that all of a sudden the song just moved better and had more character, and it was just as simple as just changing the key of the song. Why? Probably because of the bass. Um, it was an urban pop style song. Um, Bottom end is really important, um, it is all about the bass, and just by dropping it down a little bit um rather than the bass notes being higher up on the neck and not having kind of the balls that the song needed it worked so i'm not going to argue that point with you uh, vincent i think you're right um here's a great songwriting tip from Joni mitchell that vincent would like to pass along <laughs> Sooner or later, we are going to run out of Vincent stuff and move on to other people, I promise. <laughs> Here's a great songwriting tip from Joni Mitchell. Okay, you could write a song about some kind of emotional problem that you were having, but it would not be a good song in my eyes until I went through a period of sensitivity to a moment of clarity. Without the moment of clarity to contribute to the song, it's just complaining. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, thank you, Joni Mitchell. Um We've all had that uncomfortable moment where we've hung out with a songwriting friend and they played a song of theirs that they were just dying to play. And you could tell when they played it, whether they played it live on a guitar or a piano or they played you, you know, a a little demo off their phone or whatever it meant everything in the world to that person. Why? Because it was an intensely personal experience for them. Hence an intensely personal song for them. Hence it sounded like whining because there was no resolution. And I completely agree with Joni Mitchell that it, um, what do they call it in movie making, uh, oh, crap, uh, contrast, definitely part of songwriting and movie making, but you know, um, You need to have a problem and a resolution. I'm not really finding the words I'm looking for here, but uh, that's the basic idea. So that's what the moment of clarity is. When balanced or or, um, contrasted with the complaining or the whining, uh, the moment of clarity, it delivers uh, a resolution. So I like that one. Uh, next bullet point if you want to be an expert songwriter listen to and break down the songs of the masters from Bach to, M- to McCartney to Bacharach um, yep Robin Frederick has said that I'm sure other people before her said that uh, I think everybody who's ever written a songwriting book will tell you um, I've talked about it on taxi TV endlessly Tony Robbins the self-help guru just about anybody who knows anything will tell you that anything that you want to become masterful at is going to take you a really long time to become masterful. And the fastest way to get there is to look at some a piece of work or something created by somebody else that's already mastered the craft, in this case songwriting, and just mimic what they do. Now, I know some of you out there going, ah, crap, I'm turning off taxi TV because Lasko just said to imitate or mimic what other people do. No, you've got to become strong enough at doing it that you develop your own style because you've gotten so good mimicking what they do. Um from my own personal experience in the studio, I remember the first time I was able to get something from the studio plugged into the uh, XLR connector in the wall on the mic panel and get the signal to come into a recording console and see the meter bouncing up and down. I was like, yay, that was pretty awesome. All of a sudden I started to understand signal path. Well, After that, I was able to get that that same signal to go to the tape machine. And I had the tape machine in the input mode, and I was able to hear it coming back through the console and monitoring it through the monitors. That was step number one. For the next year of my life, my engineering largely consisted of, is it making it to tape? Does it sound reasonably good? Uh, It it was all about just making stuff work from a technological or uh, yeah technological level. But then I went into what I called the imitative stage, and I absolutely realized I was doing it. But I would go home at night. If I I was working on a country rock record, uh, I would go home and I would listen to the Eagles, or I would listen to Loggins and Messina, or I would listen to Poco. Uh, Whatever style of music I was working on, I would imitate what they did i would make notes on the back of album covers i would write stuff on legal pad and i was going in the studio and delivering to my clients stuff that had already been done by other people who were much better than i was but after about six months to a year of going through that imitative stage all of a sudden i became masterful enough because i'd spent the prerequisite or the requisite ten thousand hours in the studio where I had become masterful and I could say, you know what, that Stevie Wonder bass sound would be awesome for this, but I am masterful enough now that I can deliver another kind of bass sound that would actually be even more appropriate. So it it was a cumulative learning process, and I absolutely agree that you gotta break down the songs from the masters to become a master yourself. A good actor studies performances of other actors to perfect their art. So why wouldn't songwriters do the same thing? Um, Take the song Penny Lane by the Beatles. Look at the flowing up and down melody where most of the notes are just half or a whole whole step away. Uh, Avoid too many leaps that make it difficult to sing. Look at McCartney's transition of B major to a B minor and how it leads to a different chord progression. That's what I'm talking about. It's brilliant. Listen to how, uh, that was for the the next sentence. Listen to how naturally a song goes back and forth between the B to A and back to B again. It's brilliant. Exercises like this won't necessarily make somebody the next McCartney, but they will improve songwriting skills and perhaps invoke enough inspiration to write their next masterpiece. Craft. You have to learn craft from people that know craft and then practice it over and over. We all know this stuff, right? But do we all do it? Okay, another bullet point. The best thing about lyrics is that they don't always have to make sense. Now, you could probably get shot in Nashville for saying that. Um, They're really big on lyrics that tell a story with a lot of visual detail. But let's leave Nashville out of it for a minute. I wanna see what else Vincent has to say about this. People are going to put them together and try to make some to make sense of them anyway, and come up with their own interpretations. Um, there are certainly a lot of songs on the radio now that are uh, use very short phrases and almost inanely simple lyrics that just like I don't know. Um, I can't even come up with a great example on the fly, but you all know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Stuff that is kind of the opposite of a beautifully crafted song. But yet, it's a hit. Why is it a hit? Because the melody works, the rhythm works, the vocal phrasing and the lyrics are appropriate for that combination of other ingredients. And if you probably tried to tell a story with great visual detail over a rhythm track like All About the Bass, probably wouldn't work. It'd sound goofy. Maybe even sound dated. Um, you even have the power to make up your own words, and no one is going to call you illiterate. Goo, goo, go, goo, jube, doo, doo, run, run, etc. Don't overdo it, though. It's not 1969. Thank you, Vincent. You can be writing from a perspective of another character. Very important to think about. Glad that you brought that up. Not necessarily yourself. Absolutely. Uh, So once you start thinking in terms of the character, thoughts will fly. That's what good actors can do. Um, I remember many years ago, it finally sunk in for me when Ralph Murphy kept talking about using the uh, pronoun you early in the song. Um, People wanna hear a song about me, not about me that I wrote, but about you, the listener. So if the lyric contains the pronoun you, you're now addressing the listener And the song becomes more valuable to the audience. So always good. Even if you've got a song that you've completed that you think is just great, wouldn't be a bad exercise the next day to come at it fresh. And rather than saying, I feel this way, or I did this, or I walked into my house, or I'm brokenhearted because my girlfriend split up with me. You could say, he's broken hearted. Make it about somebody that we can visualize over there about a character that we give a damn about rather than me, the whiny, unresolved protagonist in the song. Um, so after you've come up with a line or two, think outside of the box and work around some rhyming words and put them into sentences. Write them down, move them around, and come up with a pattern that makes sense to you. They'll buy it if you can put some good music to them. Okay, that was it from Vincent and uh, whoever said they kicked in um, <laughs> kicked in 101 songs. I don't know, but uh, Vincent clearly uh, is the winner. Um, because his his list was so overwhelmingly long, and I appreciate the effort, because you put a lot of effort into that, and there was some great stuff in there, I think I'm going to give away a second song uh, review by John Asher next week, just so that other people uh, watching the show feel like they've got a shot as well. Um, these three come from Jan Bars. Uh, listen. Here's the first one. Listen to one of the tracks on YouTube and turn on autoplay while you're doing the dishes or something like that. Um, I find that it helps me understand the type of melodies that fit the genre a bit better, but more on an unconscious level. Interesting that uh, both of our people who've contributed so far have talked about that unconscious thing Uh Um, before with Vincent talking about that hypnotic state when ideas kind of flow into your consciousness um, and Jan talking about putting YouTube on repeat or autoplay while doing the dishes. Um, Gosh, I hope my wife isn't watching the show. Um, But I like that, you know? Uh, Yeah, I like it. When I'm working on a song, this is bullet point number two from Jan Bars. When I'm working on a song, I make sure to have it on my iPhone so I can listen to it in the car and on the train. Obviously, he's a commuter. My throat's dry. What does that mean? Time for a rock star. I do love that flavor biz. Just loaded with sugar. Um, so Jan uh, likes when he's working on a song, make sure that he's got it on his iPhone so he can listen to it in the car on the train. I'm curious if he wants to listen to it to actually work on it more or... Listen to it from a mixed perspective. I'm not really sure, but yes, certainly great to have it with you. So when you've got a minute or you've got an idea, you can go check it out again. Uh, Oh, I I think this goes along with that. This is the next bullet point. Uh, Jan says, I write a list with things I want to change. That way my first hour back in the studio is super productive. That's a great suggestion. Yep rather than just walking back in the studio and going okay what am i going to do now let's listen to that thing i did yesterday why not do a little homework so you come in better prepared for that first hour and we all know if you have a great productive first hour you're going to have a great productive rest of your session because it motivates you excuse me and there's this week's rockstar burp thank you rockstar All right. Uh, thank you. Jan bars. Um, this next one is from Jerry Falzone. Uh, take a universal idea or ideal and make it intensely personal. So, um, I've got to think about this one for a minute. Um, take a universal idea or ideal. I'm gonna leave, the ideal part out for a moment, so I'm not really understanding it in the context of this and make it intensely personal. Well, there's no question that a big part of having a hit is having broad universal appeal where a a large percentage of listeners feel whether it's a conscious thing where they go, oh, I can relate to that, or they just do relate to that and they don't actually think about it, um, but it works. There's no question, and I'm not talking necessarily about universal lyrics that we talk about so frequently on the show as they relate to uh, film and television, but a universal idea, the most basic of which and so overused, uh, obviously, is a love song, a relationship song. And, And one of the ways to have success with that is find a way to say, I love you in a way that's never been said before talk about a challenge, (laughs) but, uh, you know, we've all had relationships, we've all had good relationships, we've all had bad relationships, we've all had new relationships, we've all had relationships that have ended, and that's it, I can count to four, Um, so, what can you say about those, and more importantly, what can you say about those? About the, I sound a Canadian. What can you say about those in a completely fresh? You see that word in taxi listings all the time. Fresh. How can you say I love you? You matter to me. I can't live without you. I want to be with you. You make me want to. Get up every day. I can't wait to get home from work every day. How can you say those things differently than yours truly just said them? Because those were all cliches. Um, So thank you, Jerry. That was a great suggestion. Um, Johnny Law sent in a YouTube link. Um, Honestly, I don't know what to do with that because I'm looking at it on paper. There, I'll I'll click that link. Uh, But thank you, Johnny. Uh, Maybe after the show, I'll go watch it. Neil Newton says, number one, listen to your little voice that's telling you that line or verse isn't strong enough. Don't try and ignore it because it's too much effort to rewrite. Thank you, Neil. A song can have no fillers. Everything must count. And that's a quote from Beth Nielsen Chapman, um, who's like a Well, it depends who you ask, but I call her a top 20 songwriter. She's a very, 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 very well-respected songwriter. Um, You know, in Nashville, pro writers, as talented and wonderfully capable as they are, they almost always go back and rewrite and tweak, and, and they edit lyrics because they will literally for the most part, and I'm talking like 95% of the time or greater, they won't leave a syllable in a line unless it serves a purpose. And the purpose could be, um, it's a, a you know kind of an alliterative rhythmic syllable that helps move the vibe of the song forward, gives it a little feel. Um, it could be a single word that they change uh, an and to a but can make a sentence or a lyric completely and utterly different by changing a but to an and. Um, So they will edit, they will write and edit and edit and edit. And it's all about the compactness uh, of a lyric line. So Neil says, listen to that little voice. It's telling you that line or verse isn't strong enough. Absolutely. And you know what? We've all heard that little voice. Um, I think that little voice, uh, is called, not procrastination, resistance. Um, Resistance is the force that Stephen Pressfield talks about in his books, like uh, Do the Work and The War of Art. Resistance is that thing that stops you from fixing that line or fixing that verse because it's just too friggin' much work. It's like, yeah, it's good enough, but you know what? It's not good enough. If you want to be on the charts, you've got to deliver something that is so much better than everybody else's mediocrity and it's got to be better than the best stuff that's on the charts because that's the only way to move them down and move you up so that you're on top of them is by being better and you don't get better by giving up too easily neil newton's second bullet point is when you finish your song and get a big uh, get a big black marker and cross out all the lines you don't think are strong enough see point one above then start again with what's left and that was by Gretchen Peters loving what you do for all of us Michael thank you Neil well I love those suggestions it's tough Um, when I write the uh, those little you know notes that I write to you guys sometimes there's 700 words of stuff that I write to you that go out on top of the the listings that go out in the first and 15th of the month the stuff that I put in the newsletter Um, I will admit it, there are times where it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm in bed editing and I go, you know what? It's good enough. And I let things go out without three passes of editing. And it bothers me after the fact. I go back and read some of the best stuff that I've ever written. And that stuff where I spent, geez, two Sundays ago, i spent eight hours in the office writing one email, eight hours on about a 350 to 400 word email, eight friggin' hours. I could not believe that I spent eight hours on that thing. I threw out the first three or four attempts. They just weren't good enough. And then once I got something where I went, okay, you know, you're on to something here, this makes sense. It's got a beginning, it's got a middle, it's got an end, it's got flow, it's got uh, educational value. And then all of a sudden I said, but you know what? I can make it better. And I sat here for probably another four hours picking it apart. So I hope that it was valuable by the time it got to you guys. Um, Moving on. This is suggestion. ah, Doing okay on time, I think. Uh, From Ben Harvey. I'm more of a pop songwriter. And full disclosure, I haven't had a forward yet. So take this as you will. Doesn't matter, Ben. All right. He's got a, a fairly long list, but short stuff. So I'm just going to go down the bullets and try not to interject too much of my opinion on it. Nail the melody first. Write as many melodies as you can over a decent period. Mix and match them. Throw out the bad ones. Keep the good ones and keep writing better ones. Yes. When you think that you've got the melody nailed, step away for a few days. Then come back and write some more melodies. Um, I like the fact that he's talking about melodies a lot. Now that you've got the melody nailed, it's time to write the lyrics. If the lyric doesn't have the same number of syllables as a melody line change the lyric don't change the melody interesting point i like it if the words don't flow with the melody change the lyric that's called prosody Um, don't change the melody this is a man who clearly loves melody Um, and i can't argue Um, don't shoehorn uh, a great lyric into a great melody change the lyric Don't change the melody. A a mediocre lyric with a great melody is better. Think about this. A mediocre lyric with a great melody is better than a great lyric with a mediocre melody. Obviously, you want to have a great lyric and a great melody, but I've got to agree with Ben that um, a mediocre lyric with a great melody is better than a great lyric with a mediocre melody. And you could add... uh, Rhythm to that as well um, There are a lot of pop hits That I hear on the radio That are so infectious Because of the rhythm and the melody And the lyrics aren't as strong But because the other two Out of three elements really carry it It becomes a hit So I'm going to agree with them on that um, Sometimes it's good to write backwards I had a great chorus And accidentally found two chords That flowed really well into it I spent the next few hours writing backwards from those chords to get the pre-chorus done and had and it had to flow, flow on from the verse at the other end. I'm going to read that one more time. It's not making that much sense to me. I understand the backwards part and I tend to agree with that. Sometimes it's good to write backwards. I had a great chorus and accidentally found two chords that flowed really well into it. Okay, so chorus found two chords that flowed really well into it. I spent the next few hours writing backwards from those two chords to get the pre-chorus done. Okay. And it had to flow on from the verse to the other end. So, yeah. Write backwards. I mean, you, you could expand that thought to um, writing backwards from the whole song concept. Um, forget the melodic aspect or even the lyrical aspect, but just the whole song. Um what's my song gonna be about it's a relationship song let's go back to that for a minute and then write backwards well what kind of relationship is it a brother sister relationship is it a relationship you just lost with a loved one who passed away is it a relationship with somebody you love is it a relationship that just ended so you could write backwards and build your story once you come up with a concept okay so if it's two people that fell out of love and the relationship ended. I wanna know, well, how did they first meet? Where did they meet? What was so special about her or him? Um, That person I can visualize over there that made me give a damn as a listener. Um, So there's the setup in the beginning of the song and now the middle, let's talk about uh, how the relationship developed and became uh, more intimate. And I don't mean that in a, you know, like between the sheets kind of way, but more intimate on a heart to heart level. And then what made it fall apart? so you could definitely back that out once you know what the end of the song is um let's see think about the singer's vocal range we talked about this earlier uh with uh hookman and on the top and while and on that topic why isn't this included in the listings um (laughs) sometimes we do now come on ben be nice the no other entity on the planet gives as much detail in listings as we do but seriously if we had the list in every single listing what somebody you know like uh the favorite key of this person um what their vocal range is we will say in listings this person has quite, you know like uh can be very rangy in their vocals so give them something challenging we do put that in there we just can't do it for every one of them nobody in the industry would If we called up a vice president of A&R at a major label and said, oh, okay, so that listing you're running for that new artist you just signed, um, and we see that you're looking for, um, you know, dancey urban pop songs for her, uh, and she's 22 years old, and you want relationshipy kind of stuff, that's all great, um, what key should it be in? what's what's the highest note she can comfortably hit <laughs> next thing we would hear would be click no actually the next thing we would hear would be and then click um, so moving on uh, but I do agree uh, when you know the vocal range you know what you can almost figure it out I'll bet you anything that if you look at if you took the top 20 let's say stick with let's go by gender if you took the top 10 female hits that are on the charts at any given time I'll bet you that more of them than not are very close to each other in the key that they're in and the same thing would probably be true for men Um, people generally have like a comfortable middle range that they work in and a lot of songs are based on that so i'll bet you and this is just an educated guess on my part but i'll bet you that if you measured that or or found a way um somebody said play a song please (laughs) oh my god am i that bad that boring um, so vocal range. Uh, okay, the last bullet uh, from Ben is keep writing but don't set a target of X songs per month or year. Quality is better than quantity. This is difficult for a lot of us who can't write full time while meeting the listing deadlines. One hit is better than 100 returns. I've got to say, Ben, I would disagree with you on this. Uh, I'm a big fan of failing fast and failing often uh, because you, in order to write that hit You have to learn what not to do you need a lot of failures to get there so i'm going to disagree with you on that one Um, one hit is great but you need a hundred returns to get there Um, i must admit i'm guilty of leaving difficult to sing lyrics in my songs because i've run out of time for a listing um it gives an example. I'll go down like a fighter. The first three words are sung quickly and it doesn't flow well because I ran out of time. If anyone has any points on how to meet listing deadlines with limited time, I'm all ears. Um, same way you get to uh, Carnegie Hall. Practice, practice, practice. That's all it is. It, it's it's chops. It's craft. It's skills. It's doing something repetitively like a golf swing until you become great at it. Okay. Okay. Um, Moving on, uh, this one is from, I believe you pronounce this person's name, Keepa, K-E-P-A, Kipa Freeman, um, songwriting tips that have worked for me. Uh, number one, after coming up with a hook, draw three, this, I read this one earlier and i like this. Um, after coming up with a hook, draw three boxes on top of each other and put the hook at the bottom of each of those boxes. Now write the basic message part of the story, the development of the idea, et cetera, that you're gonna write leading up to the hook as your song develops, basically the message of your two verses. So you got it, uh, you're putting in three boxes at the bottom of each box, you know, let's say that's a box, make that a box, write the hook right there. That way you have a place to write in your story. It makes sense, I like it. Um, Make sure the idea in your hook is growing throughout those three boxes and make sure your verses in bridge stick to the messages in these three boxes and that he says was adapted from Pat Patterson uh, Pat Patterson is a professor of lyrics at Berklee School of Music in Boston he speaks at the road rally his books are probably the best single topic books on lyrics that you will ever read I guarantee that they will give you a headache because they are so incredibly good you have to read stuff like three times absolutely worth it pat Pattison is a genius when it comes to lyrics read his books um, number two use action uh, action words colors and visible objects to make abstract ideas turn into lyrics your audience can feel her words hurt me as an example in quotes should be her words cut me like a red hot knife And that he gives credit to Robin Frederick, our one and only uh, homie girl, Robin Frederick. Uh, So I love that. Use action words, colors, and visible objects to make abstract ideas turn into lyrics your audience can feel. The example again, her, her words hurt me, could be turned into her words cut me like a red hot knife. I love it. Number three, uh, turn abstract ideas or philosophical messages into a story with characters that people can relate to. There we are again with the characters. Sometimes the audience can be the character. See John Mayer's daughters um, say, and way down the world to change for examples. And he also credits Robin Frederick with that one. Um, Sometimes the audience audience can be the character. Um, We are the world. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, check out John Mayer's songs, Daughters Say and Waiting on the World to Change, for examples. Number four, use nonsense syllables to make the song more singable. Lalas and doo doos. More singing of your song means a higher likelihood that it'll be sung by and listened to by the audience again and eventually purchased. And that is adopted or adapted from Jay Frank. Um, Jay Frank is one of the most brilliant people I've met in the business. Um, so smart uh, and talks so quickly and and coughs up so much valuable information that you've got to record him because he could never write notes quickly enough but he wrote a book that everybody should read which is something.dna I'm sure Mojo will cough this up Um, songwriting.dna um hit.dna i can't remember the name of the book let's see what songwriting book was written by j frank futurehit.dna thank you google thank you samsung that was really quick um yeah futurehit.dna by j frank an incredibly valuable book that everybody should own. Um, Number five, your audience doesn't care about your problems. Uh, We were talking about this before. This is one of Ralph Murphy's favorite things to talk about. Talk about them to them or make them think that they are the I in your song. Write your lyrics in a way where the details are specific enough to make your audience imagine themselves in the story, but general enough where they can fill in their own details uh sat on my bed looked out the window Sunshine down on my face most of your listeners have slept on a bed in a bedroom with a window and the sun shining but they may not have looked out of the window past the polka dot shears at the sun peeking through cumulus clouds as they sat on their futon that's adapted from ralph murphy and robin frederick so you see what he's done here is he's, um first of all the fact that you know what polka dot shears is um, very good i'm impressed by that Uh, but absolutely right you know it's one thing we've all looked through a window and felt sun on our face but to look through polka dot shears that puts you there in the room number six uh get them with the first line um oh boy Uh, i mean that's songwriting 101 but you know what it's not said often enough get them with the first line start in the middle of the story Sure seem happy now. That's in quotes. Already like you're happy about what? Um, it's a little hard to read. Uh, already like you're happy about what? Uh, why'd you say that? What's our relationship? Do Did we have thing? A thing probably. Create a sense of mystery to keep your listener involved. Don't spell everything out in the first verse. Adapted from Robin Frederick, uh, Lou DeLise, and Jimmy Needham. So start in the middle of your story. Um, This goes back to something that Ralph Murphy has told me on a golf cart numerous times, which is more often than not, you'll wanna flip your first and second verse. The second verse uh, is often where the detail comes in, and I think Ralph's theory, if I remember correctly, is that by bringing that in as your first verse, that detail does what Ralph calls inviting the listener in. By talking about the polka dot shears versus just looking out a window, you've put them in a place, made the song more interesting. You've invited them into your world. Um, Number seven, parts of your song will create a feeling of stability or instability um certain or uncertain happy or sad that's the contrast i was talking about earlier make sure your number of lines length of lines stress of your syllables rhyme scheme and even your melody and harmonic choices complement the stable or unstable feeling you want to create at any given point odd numbers of lines in a stanza slash section creates a feeling of instability that's a great point great for pre-choruses and bridges it moves things forwards and an even number of lines creates a feeling of stability and completeness, resolution. Great for stopping the pace or bringing a point home. Mixing up patterns of short and long lines can create feelings of stability and instability. So strong beats or the instability of weak beats. Example, the difference between I've had enough starting on the one or gulp I've had enough starting on the and after the one. The melody in a major scale, notes one, three, and five, are stable. Notes two, four, and six, and seven, two, four, six, and seven, are unstable and want to go somewhere. Use wisely. Adapted from Pat Patterson. See his songwriting course on uh, Coursera.org. Um, just put Berkeley in the search bar. In the search bar. Okay. Number eight. Make sure you're. Let's see. How much more do I have to go? All right. I'm gonna make it. Make sure your song lyrics and melody match. That is called prosody. The stresses and unstresses... Oh, I did that already. No, I didn't. Um, The stresses and unstresses of your melody should match the stresses and unstresses of your words when plainly spoken. I think you could supplant uh, accents maybe with stresses and unstresses. Um, Stressed, well, I see. Stress syllables should be on the downbeats, or even more so, the strong beats, uh, one and three. Unstressed syllables go on the upbeats or weaker beats of two and four. Adapted from John Brahaney and Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson, take his course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We read that already. Um, number nine. Go and study the following books, mostly available on Kindle. Um, I'm going to read, I've mentioned all these, I think, already, um, but not the Pat Pattison books by name. Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Pattison. Songwriting Without Boundaries by Pat Pattison. Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting by Robin Frederick. Shortcuts to Songwriting for Film and TV by Robin Frederick. Murphy's Laws of Songwriting by Ralph Murphy. The Book. (laughs) Murphy's Laws of Songwriting, The Book by Ralph Murphy. And Future Hit.DNA by Jay Frank. Um, also, I've got to give respect and love to the late John Brahaney before I knew there was a taxi. He was my first songwriting teacher by way of the craft and business of songwriting. Hopefully this is helpful um, from Keepa Freeman who's got a PhD in taxi TV. Thanks Keepa. Um, Great stuff and I'm glad to see that you've read all those books and that you've recommended them all. Okay, heading into our last page here and then I'm going to start hitting you guys up in the chat room in the last half hour. Richard Bowen's first uh, bullet point is, my favorite trick is to write a new set of lyrics using the chords from another song and change the key forcing me to sing a new melody. So let's read that one more time. Write a new set of lyrics using the chords from another song. So basically ghostwriting, which uh, almost all these people that have written these amazing books recommend, and change the key forcing me to sing a new melody. Makes sense. Um, not ghostwriting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ghost, uh, you know, where you take an existing song, I think, maybe ghostwriting? I can't think of it. Uh, if you've got a lyric in your song that you think is the greatest lyric ever written and will cause peace on earth, take it out. You're probably being too clever by half. I love cliches and no one will understand it. If you've got a lyric in your song that you think is the greatest lyric ever written and will cause peace on earth, take it out. You're probably being too clever by half. I don't understand what that means and no one will understand it. But yeah, it's true. You know what? Um, Speak in plain English. A lot of times trying to be clever gets you in trouble. Um, You may get it, but your audience may not. All right, if you've got a killer hook, make the first line of your song... uh, if you've got a killer hook, make it the first line of your song and try topping it for the chorus. Woohoo! I like that one. Write a song using the same using the title of another song. You can't copyright a song title. Works especially well if you've never heard the song with the title that you're borrowing. Um, I've heard a lot of uh, hit songwriters, friends of mine that I know um, that are hit songwriters, that will tell me they are inspired by reading novels that they see a passage or a thought or a line. I see it in TV shows all the time. You've got the highest paid writers in Hollywood uh, writing TV shows and films. I'm constantly saying stuff. Not that I write songs, but I constantly dump lyrics into the voice recorder on my phone and I steal the ideas from, not, not exactly word for word, but the concepts. You know, you you're allowed to take a concept. Just don't steal somebody's lyric or somebody's melody or somebody's song. But if the concept, uh, I'm trying to think of something on the fly here, but if the concept were a a fresh take on I'm lost and alone, and they said it in a really cool way, use that as the basis for a song. Um, If I come up with a lyric hook, uh, i think it's really original i check it out on a song word site to see if it's already been used in the same context that's a great idea you know what there aren't that many original ideas left and it would be pretty easy to make it look like the you know that you infringed a copyright when that wasn't your intent at all um so definitely worth checking out taking a cliche and turning it upside down can generate an interesting title slash lyric Spilled milk under the bridge. <laughs> don't laugh right away. Think about it for a while. I don't know. That one might fall under the category of being too clever. I don't know. If you got to think about it for a while, maybe it might be too clever. So I don't know that I agree with that one. But, you know, we're it, it's not for me to judge, I guess, although I just did. But I'm just trying to disseminate information. And here we go. This is from Mark Tibbet Roper. Roper. Uh, My tips are always have an aim for a song, Um, whether you want to sell it to Taxi, you don't actually sell songs to Taxi, but I think he means pitch it through Taxi, Uh, to entertain, whether you want to entertain family, friends, or just post on YouTube, might sound obvious, but I dried up after one song for a while for this reason, Um, I guess meaning that he didn't have, you know, a, a, a use for the song in mind. Um, I personally write with love or passion for my songs generally. The one I haven't, I probably wouldn't share or try to publish as it is bland. Okay. Um, try to carry a recording instrument for your voice anytime you're out, just in case. Uh, I should follow my own advice on this one. Um, write when you feel inspired. Never works for me to force it. Um, I would say, I'm just guessing, and again, trying not to be judgmental here, but you know what, Uh, if you, Mark, if you had more craft in your quiver of tools or songwriting arrows, if you will, um, you might find that you are inspired more often and you wouldn't feel like you had to force it because the craft is there. Um, He says he he uses a brilliant little program called Chord Pulse to test my songs before doing anything else to them i'm curious uh so let's all check out chord pulse after the show and find out what it does um getting very close to the end of the list here daniel murphy says try to write like a child and then finish like a student interesting write like a child so that probably means with a certain amount of uh reckless abandon uh, you know don't don't judge as you're writing just write it just get it out and then finish it like a student go back and analyze it and, and look to edit and perfect and then finally from mo gotti g-o-t-t-i Gotti, for instrumentals i'd like to come up with an interesting chord progression then play it through a loop pedal interesting and just improvise various intervals in scale until something interesting happens i really like that If I still can't generate a melody sometimes I'll doctor a catchy pop songs melody to fit the chords changing it enough to be hard to recognize I like that I really like uh, you know taking a loop pedal Um, years ago I was invited to be a judge at the Roland slash boss loopers thing that they have like a worldwide or at least nationwide contest for people that do stuff with their looping pedals And I was blown away by the stuff that I saw people doing with those. And I remember having the thought as I was sitting there judging that what a great way. I mean, you can sit there, you know, and make a loop out of a one, four, five, and then just build on it. What a great way to discover stuff. You don't need to even pull out Pro Tools. You don't need to... um, sit down and record anything. You're just looping on, you know, adding stuff, chunk of chunk of this on top of a one, four, five that you've looped and God only knows what'll come out of it. So I like that. All right, let me grab a swig of Rockstar and uh, then let's start taking some from the chat room. And, um, I will. Remind me at the end of the show, I will give out a second song review from John Asher during next week's show. Rolling Boss Looper sounds like a ladies roller derby team. Okay. They have air guitar contests with bigger prizes than what you could get from actually performing. LOL. Uh, sad, but probably true, huh? There's Vincent. Vincent says thank you, and I'm saying thank you right back to you, man. That, that was a considerable amount of work that you put into that list, so thank you and congratulations on getting a song uh, reviewed by John next week. Um, Steve P says that these are the best rock stars. he's obviously been to the road rally and guzzled a few of those bad boys. Um, I have a good friend that started the Y2K Loopers festival in Santa Cruz and it's still going strong. Great. Um, Peter Rahill says the road rally was great. Uh, is it me or does Michael sound a little drunk? Um, no, wait, no, that's possibly me. (laughs) I don't really drink that much. Yeah. I'll have a, a glass of wine, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, jean Reed Reed says, thanks for the inspiration, Michael. I have a new looper pedal that I haven't had time to play with. By the way, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show last week or not. Um, I don't even remember when I got it. Uh, the Amazon Echo Dot. If you guys don't know what the Amazon Echo is, it's this thing that stands know, It's like the size of a thermos. And you say, what's the weather going to be today? Or how's the traffic on the 101? Anyway, it's $179 or something, and I just wasn't that intrigued that I was going to part with $179 for something that I really didn't understand what it did. So then they came out with the Amazon Echo Dot. I'm looking around to see if I have something. Oh, here. This is my taxi, uh, taxi TV makeup container. You know when I'm always sneezing or sniffling? That's where it comes from, the powder that's in there. So that's about the size of the Amazon Echo Dot. Excuse me, it's 49 bucks, and you say, Alexa, tell me a joke. And it tells you mostly bad jokes, but some good ones every now and then. Um, Alexa, set an alarm for 6.05 a.m., and alarm set. Um, Alexa, how's the traffic, how's the weather? There are a million things, and it's constantly learning based on what other users are asking of it. And you can use it, we've got it hooked up to... um, A light in our bedroom, and you say, Alexa, bedroom light, poof, on goes the light. Alexa, turn off the light, poof, we don't even have to get out of bed to turn the light off anymore. So, pretty darn cool. Um, I saw a question go by How important is proper rhyming when submitting to taxi? Some people are sticklers for proper. You know what? Polly, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. Um, There's so many, you know, you you can have a rhyme that's uh, a rhyme based on a pop reference. Uh, There are all these different forms of rhymes. Um, I don't think anybody is necessarily a full-on stickler for a proper rhyme, but if they're saying your rhyme's not working, that's just them saying that it's just not working. Um, By the way, if you haven't checked out, um, oh gosh, (laughs) Uh, software, songwriting software that I love, that I've recommended uh, on the show so many times, Um, Master Writer. If you want to take yourself far beyond what any rhyme dictionary can do or any rhyme website can do for you, check out MasterWriter.com. I don't get paid to say that. Full disclosure, they do sponsor the Road Rally, but I would never recommend anything to you unless you know that I totally believed in it. And I have seen so much evidence that it is far, far, far better than any rhyming dictionary um, or any website. So there you go. Um, Uh, Tim Walters commenting on Paulie's question about the rhyming issue uh, he says that at the mentor session session last year one of the screeners said that if he saw a perfect rhyme he'd be inclined to return the song just for that too old-fashioned um, frankly I'm a little surprised I, I look nobody I can't imagine a screener maybe the screener was drinking at the mentor session but they don't work that way the screeners don't sit there and hear a song that's amazingly good and go oh crap there's a proper rhyme i'm going to return it they just don't do that um they may be less impressed by the song because the rhyme was so proper and unimaginative that it was cliche in its use but screeners not going to do that um polly says he's got an echo dot it's awesome um mojo says digitech makes this great thing for solo performers uses an sd card and it does multiple loops good to know um wow songwriting tip from uh, fuller music inspiration is not elusive it's often hiding behind discipline and hard work that's what i'm telling you craft the discipline and the hard work develop your craft and the inspiration comes much easier when you've got the craft um robbie hancock says i use the boss rc20 loop station have for years had an incredible amount of ideas uh, for songs using it from both live shows and at home while practicing great to know (laughs) Paulie <laughs> said I just triggered his Alexa Alexa tell Paulie a joke <laughs> I was downstairs the other night and hollered upstairs Alexa turn on the light and all of a sudden our bedroom lights went on <laughs> Ken De Potter said I just activated his echo too <laughs> pretty damn funny um, Google has something similar they do um Mojo says he could use Cortana because there's an Xbox. I think Cortana is the the Microsoft version. Um, Amazon Echo Revolt. Uh, Tim Walter says, good question. Uh, Polly at the Mentor says, yeah, saw that one already. Um, So far I've got Alexa tied to my Spotify. account. Oh, that's the other thing. You can say, uh, Alexa, play me jazz and it'll just start playing jazz. You can say, play me a random song list from Adele. It will do that. Um, all right. I've got to keep up here. Master writer is very neat. Master writer is great. Um, Jackson Brown's first four records were all proper rhymes. Every song on them. That's true. A lot of people chime in on master writer, master man, tons of people. Um, Master writer is awesome. It's worth the price for just the dictionary. Um, Oh, this is a great comment from D eight, nine, six, seven, five. Perfect rhymes sound to Broadway in today's music. See that, That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. There are these little, you know, an an imperfect rhyme or a soft rhyme um, just may sound more contemporary. And being contemporary matters. Um, Robbie Hancock says one of the best tools I use while writing on a daily basis is Rhyme Desk. It's brilliant and handy while you're in the groove and the writing process also has a near-rhyme option. Um, Michael, I resonate with the topic of dated song structure, chord voicing, etc. As a one-four-five roots rock guy, I wonder if you have some current artists in mind who manage to sound modern. Yeah, look at the charts. <laughs> it's that simple. Just go to a Spotify chart. Go to a Billboard chart. That's what I'm talking about. Look, I, I'm a, a child, uh, musically a child of the mid 70s. If I were a songwriter, sadly, or if I went back to engineering and producing, I'll bet you my drum sounds would sound like the mid 70s. My production chops would sound like the mid 70s um, to the early 80s or mid 80s. And if I wrote songs, they would sound like that. So, based on your age and the music that first made you fall in love with writing music, You probably need to train yourself uh, to bust out and sound contemporary. And the best way to do that is to um, listen to contemporary music. It's there right in front of you. It's staring you in the face. So use it. Um, Wow, 47 messages. Michael needs to scroll down a bit. Yeah, I'm going to have to when I first bought master writer I called him to a serial number and Barry divorce answered the phone I was in shock for five minutes Barry's a great guy uh, Alexa ask pitch pipe to play high E interesting I didn't know you could do that oh you can adjust the volume um, Michael, if you only had enough time left to get one songwriting tip, what would that be? Uh, Do you mean to give one songwriting tip? What would my favorite be? I think I just said it. Um, Listen to contemporary music. It's not gonna do you much good to become an incredibly great songwriter of material that sounds like it's dated. There is some market out there for it. Unquestionably, we've had taxi members that have gotten their stuff that sounds dated or was recorded back in the 70s in TV shows and movies that are from that era. More often than not, whether it's instrumental cues or it's songs for, you know, a, a TV show or a film or whatever, or radio, um, you want to be contemporary. I've talked about this so many times before. Fashion, right? Right we don't walk down the street um, today with a pair of two-tone wingtips or two-tone saddle shoes Um, that's not fashionable right now Um, so just like fashion changes and it's funny songwriters don't question changes in fashion or in furniture or in paint colors for your walls of your home there's so many things that we don't question yet Songwriters say, hey, man, this is what I do. Too bad the industry doesn't like what I do. It's not the industry. Uh, Well, it's the industry being driven by what the public asks for. So you can complain about it all you want, but it's what people want to hear. Mojo Bones song number one tip would be keep working don't give up you can always learn more by the way Mojo I was on your site the other day I can't remember why maybe I was on the forum and I clicked over to your site or something um gotta say love your blues guitar you are really truly a master um Alexa, bring me a beer, then I'll buy it. Okay, tell you what, Dean. Uh, this is from Dean Kripain. <laughs> you could probably hook it up so that it triggered a, uh, you know, take a remote control car. And it would probably, you could do that. I know guys that I fly remote control planes with that would absolutely figure out a way to do that. Um trying to keep up. Man, you guys are typing in some stuff so quickly. Uh, Susan Koch, Tim Walter saying that Susan Koch, a taxi screener, said she doesn't listen to anything that isn't current. She doesn't have the time for it um steve p says shook hands with you at the rally you were having a problem kind of wish i'd kind of wish i could known you better sorry steve this is what i sent out the apology email for a couple weeks ago at the road rally uh... uh, I'm largely unavailable at the Road Rally because I'm either moderating a panel or going to the restroom between panels or freaking out that a panelist isn't showing up or finding out that we don't have a piece of gear that we thought we had for the next panel, something like that. So there's always something going on behind the scenes. We try to cover our tracks and kind of hide that stuff really well. Um... Trying to catch up to you guys again. Um, there's nothing better than listening to current contemporary music or watching current television or films to fresh up your contemporary chops. Absolutely. Think like a director when you're writing a song. Stick to one emotion. Yes, Robbie, absolutely. Stick to one emotion because you're not scoring an entire show or an entire film. Um, or if you're doing you know radio and records kind of music, you want the song to have one emotion. People don't want to be taken on a roller coaster. Um, I like to watch seasons of a show in a short period to hear how placements work in that show. I did that with Grey's Anatomy. Currently watching back to episode, back to back episodes of something. Um, got cut off. Um... Jesse uh, Peck wants to know, how can, how can you stay current when lately it changes every week? Um, somebody's doing it. There are clearly people who are writing hit songs that are current. They're pushing the envelope. I've talked about this on the show for six or seven years now. Is anything that you're listening to today that's on the radio today, that's on a chart today, was probably, in all likelihood, created a year and a half or two years ago, especially for a new artist. There's a cycle, a marketing cycle, a launch cycle that they go through before something gets to radio, um, and it becomes familiar to you because it's a hit. Well, when you're listening to what's on the radio today, be thinking about, okay, I need to master the rhythmic, melodic, and lyrical components that are found in these songs that I'm hearing on the charts today. And then what can I do to push the envelope a little bit by 10% or 15% into the future, not make it so wacky that it still couldn't be played on that chart today, but what can I do to make it not sound dated a year and a half from now? That is a challenge. And boy, if you can do that, you will become a masterful hit songwriter. Um, Peter Rahill says join the time Travelers club they meet last week <laughs> uh, Vincent says be the next Beatles and create the new current you know in a perfect world everybody could do that I think that's everybody's secret dream is to be the Beatles not necessarily the Beatles but be like the Beatles in that uh, they come up with they came up with something that was... Fresh and new for the time, but really, come on, weren't they largely doing, you know, Chuck Berry uh, and and other people like that? Um, They just packaged it a different way. They changed it by 15% and it resonated. Um, The charts are pretty whack. Mojo says charts are pretty whack these days, but you know what? I, I think we're going through a good period. I wouldn't have said that three or four years ago. But for the last year or two, I've really been hearing stuff on, you know, that is on the charts that I'm going, wow, we're going through like a little renaissance right now. Um, Jean Viev says, great show, Michael. Thank you, Jean Vieve. Um Marketing cycles and expectations about how long time stuff takes could be next week's topic. Marketing cycles and expectations. But, you know, let me make a note about that. Where's my trusty pen? I don't know if I could do a whole show on that. But I'll think about it. How long stuff takes. I'll tell you what. Managing expectations. There's nothing more heartbreaking than a new taxi member who gets a forward. And they have that revelatory moment. It's like, holy crap, I finally got through. I got something forwarded. And then, tick, 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 it's like, you know, Chinese water torture, um, just waiting and waiting and waiting, because they expect that in their mind's eye, they think that there's this person on the other end um, that's getting their file of their song, or a CD, or whatever form of media it's going to them in, and uh, in their mind's eye, because um, it's going in a file from us, and um, and they they can see that person getting it and, and they're visualizing that happy moment when the industry person goes this is it this is exactly what i need i love this this is great but the truth of the matter is they're not sitting there waiting for that music most of the time some of the time they are they're in an emergency situation and they need it like right now but more often than not they are looking for something and they'll get to it in a day or a week. Sometimes it might be a month or many months because they're building a collection of a certain type of stuff. They may run the listing with us for you know, bombastic, uh, I don't know, bombastic orchestral hybrids, okay? Um, and they know that they're, they're trying to get a collection of 20 or 30 of those pieces to put in their library but they're not going to like jump up and down and make the phone call as soon as they get the first one they're going to drop it in a file folder on their desktop and once that file folder starts getting pretty full or they've they may have a timeline they may have a release date a calendar set for when they're coming out with stuff that's when they'll act on it so i know that it's torture for you guys i know it and i feel badly but that's the way the industry often works um Howling Wolf says, Chinese Water Torture, my next song. Tim Walter says, uh, even a deceptively simple song like I Want to Hold Your Hand and vocals by John and Paul that varied from harmony to unison, etc., completely throughout the song without a predictable pattern. Most can't hear that, but it adds depth to a preconceived subconsciously and then it cut off. Um, sorry. Uh, check out Always Music in the Air, a great book about the Brill building and how songs were written back then. Um. <laughs> All right, we are coming to the end of the show. I'm giving you the two minute warning. Uh, we're just about there. And I would like to award i got to do a little count here to figure out who the other person is that is getting uh, their song listened to by John Asher next week. Um, that would be a Freeman. Woo. Yeah. Almost a tie. Um, going back to Ben Harvey. got to go with Keepa on this uh, although ben harvey virtually tied capa there were a couple things No, well, that wasn't a bullet point you know what all right keep freeman ben harvey and vincent all three of you people um vincent me i want to pronounce your name right it's spelled like the vacuum cleaner company or the appliance company me I can't pronounce the name of our vacuum cleaner at home either. Anyway, you get the idea. Vincent Miele, M-I-E-L-E. I I want you guys to, before Friday of this week, pick your favorite song that's closest to pop and something contemporary, if you would, please. Um, Or if you've got EDM, anything electronic. um, John Asher is great at that stuff as well and send it to laura l-a-u-r-a laura at taxi.com and then laura will give them to me and we will listen to them on next week's show and one of the things i want to spend a lot of time with john asher on is how he's made it i mean he's not a millionaire yet um you know in his mind he's not that successful yet But he has become, uh, you know, he's signed by Rock Nation and uh, he has writing meetings with uh, A-List writers and he's working on A-List projects. And so how did that happen? I I forget where he's from, but I want to say like Michigan or Indiana, somewhere in the Midwest. Um, And he rolled into town X number of years ago and lo and behold, here he is um, making it. So... I think that his story, first of all, he's a really nice guy. A lot of you folks have seen him on Taxi TV. Many of you have met him at the Road Rally. And I think his story will inspire you, if not educate you, on this is what you need to do if you want to be a hit songwriter and uh, have great stuff happen for you. So with that, I will bid you adieu until next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV. Bye, you guys.